Jastin, I need you to sing me the song of your childhood. A song from my childhood. Yeah, back when you were man. a good boy. <laughs> man, it's going to be, it, man, if I sang right now, it would be like some sort of opening Disney song from one of those old ass shows, Chippendales. Hey. Rescue Rangers and all that stuff, man. I was a nerd, dude. I didn't dude, when listen I asked to you like, that, music, music. When I asked you that, the first thing that popped in my head was the Gummy Bears theme song. Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. We are the Gummy Bears. Yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Wow, I was thinking it would be like Power Rangers or something. I don't know why. I'll see, no, that's a good one too. Go, go, Power Rangers. Yeah. Go, go, Power Rangers. Yeah, those were the jams, man. All those cartoons. All of those were the jam, dude. The Chippendale, man, th th that was one of my favorite ones, though. Sometimes, some crimes go slipping through the cracks. But these two gumshoes are picking up the slack. There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call Ch -ch -ch Chippendales. Rescue Rangers, Ch -ch Chippendale, when there's danger. No, no, and never fail once they're involved. Somehow, whatever's rogue is all. Started on that song. How the <laughs> fuck do you know all that? I don't know, dude. Dear fucking God. I was not ready for any of that. I just thought you were going to come at it simple, just going Ch -ch -ch Chippendale. Like, because that's the only part anyone else in this world remembers. Like, I, I was, the guy man, that I wrote that song fan. doesn't remember as much as you do. <laughs> I was a real fan, dude. I was a real fan. You were something. I kind of feel like that show needs to get a restraining order against you now. <laughs> Sounds like a little of a slightly unhealthy <laughs> obsession. You sound like the plot of a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> oh God! Remember uh, Gadget, um, the the chick that could uh, that was the inventor, and then Monterey Jack. He would always uh, want to get that cheese that he run off somewhere or get lost or captured because he was trying to eat cheese. All right. At this point, I'm almost willing to say, fuck what we were going to talk about. Let's just listen to Justin recount his, you know, rescue Rangers stories. Right. Like, Man, damn, there was dude, I was not expecting that. <laughs> What about Fat Cat? I know you remember Fat Cat, man. That, that yeah, I lived that life. <laughs> Fat Cat. Darkwing I mean, Duck I've... was the shit, too, though. Darkwing Duck was the shit, too. I was about to ask you if you remembered that song, because that's what I was thinking of, too, when you were th thinking uh, Chippendales. Out of smoke and he appears. Holy Champion of right. <laughs> Who's that cunning mind behind the shadow in the sky? Nobody knows for sure. Put your numbers up, cause here comes Darkwing Duck. When there's trouble, you can call DW. Darkwing Duck, let's get dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm speechless. <laughs> Downright fucking speechless. And now I'm supposed to talk about a movie? The fuck is wrong with you? I didn't I was not expecting this can of worms, Justin. You should have warned me as soon as I broached you with the topic of a song from when you were a good boy. That <laughs> this was gonna blow my mind. Man, yeah, I remember all that, man. All of it. Now I want to see, like, I want to test you now, but my problem oh is, is you could actually just make up some shit and I'd probably go, yeah, that sounds right. I don't fucking know. You, you probably. Right. <laughs> 
like that vaguely sounds like a 90s cartoon theme song sure i don't know i don't remember and then there was those weird obscure ones like big bad beetleborgs do you remember that yeah because that was the, the whole when it did the whole like big bad beetleborg yeah big bad beetleborgs big bad wow. beetleborgs metallics or whatever the hell they were <laughs> Don't act like you don't know, Justin. You know yeah, what they were. Say, like, why are you trying to stunt now and act like you don't remember? Like you do. <laughs> did did Reboot have a song with words? I don't remember. Now, that one I don't remember. You got me. I, it was something like re, 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 Reboot or some crap like that, right? Something like that. Just insert miscellaneous r- random 90s things, and that pretty much makes that theme song. I remember Digimon. Digimon. Digital monsters. Digimon are the champions. Change into digital champion to save the digital world (laughs) that might be my favorite one so far (laughs) i do remember that one i actually do remember that because i was a huge digimon fan huge digimon fan i was changing the digital champion buddy (laughs) i don't remember anything from digimon other than like like i don't remember any of their names really I just remember what it was Garurumon because then he became Were Garurumon and then Metal Garurumon. He was the wolf one. That was always my favorite. Then that's it. I'm tapped. I remember the bad guys was Puppetmon and, and, and Devimon. Uh huh. Then I'm, I'm stuck on that too. That's about all I remember. And what was the other one? Agamon? That was the, the young version of the, the T Rex looking fucker but then he changed into something but like they got weird though like the, the some of the final evolutions on that got super weird because like it, it really ended up becoming very like anime with a lot of stuff towards the end when it's like war god happiness digimon and shit like that and you're like what the fuck like how is that a form <laughs> oh man but yeah i just remembered the first season of that all the digimon that they came across had a black disc in them from devimon and they would have to fight them and destroy the black disc to free them from devimon's control damn you do kind of remember that show i wasn't the biggest biggest fan i watched it on and off. i was on and off with it it was more of a ninja turtles guy we we all were ninja turtles guys obviously even i was a ninja turtle guy now i know you remember that song sterling i know you remember that one Oof. he was in a half show i remember it there you go there you go yeah it would, it, i would need i would, essentially my problem with a lot of that stuff is i don't remember the beginning it's like but like once it started <laughs> i would know it yeah i only remember the chorus it wasn't like teenage mutant ninja turtles yep. he was in a half shell turtle power that's all i got splinter taught them to be ninja teams he's a radical rat <laughs> they're heroes in a half shell and they're green that's a fact jack when the evil shredder attacks these turtle boys don't cut him no slack. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. Leonardo leads. Donatello does wow. machine. I'm Raphael like... is cool but rude. Michelangelo is a party dude. I'm very concerned now that... Like what you do when you get home from work is just go and like listen to 90s TV show cartoon theme songs. I have a distinct feeling with how well you know them. That's like your workout (laughs) playlist on Spotify. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Dude, why don't I have that music? Why don't I have it? 
do it now. I should have some of those. I need to do that, dude. Man, my, my workouts will be hype. And they'd be like, man, he must be listening to the most modern contemporary music ever. And I'd go, nope, not, not at all. I'm listening to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel yeah. like I created a monster. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Like, I Dude, had something I, I was going to bring got, up. Oh, <laughs> it's like, kind of sad. Right. I remember obscure ones, too. Like, so the Bear. funny thing is, is like your weirdness when it comes to like 90s cartoon theme songs. I have that same weird ability with songs from the verse, the first Vertical Horizon album. Hmm. Nice. Like, for whatever reason, I know all those songs still, and I don't know why. It's not like I was a huge vertical horizon fan it's just those songs stuck with me i think that's what it was man just the the repetition of watching that stuff over and over again sometimes you just it just stays with you man. you just remember those were happy times man just carefree big ass bowl of cereal sitting in front of the tv school wasn't for another day or two man those were the days dude so you're saying Unlike the movie we we're going to talk about eventually, that we will eventually get to. <laughs> I know, right? You weren't having weird escapades with kissing parties and saying fuck a lot? No, unfortunately, no. I wasn't. Well, what kind of good boy were you? I guess the lame kind. I was too busy worried about Tiny Toon Adventures and Batman, the animated series and all but that shit. But you're still worried about that now. <laughs> what do you mean I'm worried about it now? It's not on now. Yeah, but you're still if like, was, if I remember, you've used both of those as your recommendations for your weekend binging. So, oh, Rocco's Modern Life, or like, uh, no, specifically the two you just said. I think the two you just said, you in the past have mentioned those as things you were binge watching over the weekend. <laughs> the Batman and what was the other one you said? Tiny, yeah, Tunes. Tiny Tunes. You use both of those as like you were binging it over the weekend. So I think you still really enjoy it. <laughs> No, I did go back. I, I mean, I didn't watch it all, but, you know, every now and then you'll revisit. But it, it doesn't work like that with everything. Some things are just dumb to watch now. Like Transformers. Transformers is freaking stupid now. Like the old cartoon, it's dumb. Like it's unwatchable. We'll see. Like, it, it, things are unwatchable, dude. Like right now. Yeah. The original, the original Ninja Turtles cartoon is garbage. Yeah. See, I haven't gone back and watched it, and that's probably why, because I know I'm going to probably hate it. So I'm just like, man, I don't know if I want to revisit that. <laughs> no, it is straight up fucking garbage, dude. They're, they're like ending the episodes like eating pizza, and Michelangelo's like, oh yeah, pass me the ice cream and anchovy pizza, man. You're like, nobody fucking made that, dude. No pizza <laughs> shop ever is going to fucking make that for you. Fuck off. I mean, they had that episode where they were giving away free pizza, but it was going to be cold so that they would microwave the meatballs to create the meatball monsters or the, the sausage monsters were the fuck they were. Oh, yeah. The pizza monsters. Yeah. Those big yellow bastards. Like, come on. This show's garbage. The Rat King was a guy who lived in the sewers and he's talked to rats and <laughs> what a loser. I don't know. There were just a lot of concepts. There's just a lot of concepts that really, if you think about it, were just stupid. But well, look at look at look at uh, what Captain Planet. Like all the bad guys from Captain Planet. Like if you oh, look God. at them now, they're fucking ridiculous. Because yeah. it's like, oh, we got to stop modern technology before they destroy the planet. It's always like shit like that. 
<laughs> oh, look, I'm garbage disposal man. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like they fought somebody made of car exhaust once. Like so. shit like that. And you're like, fuck off, people. And it's and it's all these weird stereotypes that like have no basis in anything when it comes to actual like conservation when it comes to the planet. Like they're like there was that guy that was radioactive. Because you know, every business ever, like every factory ever in the nineties in cartoons always had radioactive waste. Yep. And it would be anything. It'd be like a shoe company. And they're like making <laughs> shoes and they would have radioactive waste. Like what what the fuck do you think shoes are made out of? <laughs> Just any excuse to give them an adversary. And then at the end there was always some message about don't pollute or don't radiate or look out for radiation or whatever the fuck. There was always this message. <laughs> like well, mainly pollution though. And I personally feel like we don't have enough radiation in the world right now. Like <laughs> because I think biologically speaking, I'm still able to have kids. I want radiation to stop that already for me. So, hey, science, let, let's get a fix on that. Let's get some more radiation so I don't have kids. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. Gonna help him put asunder to bad guys who like to loot and plunder. The power is yours. And also, like, what does looting and plundering have to do with pollution? Yeah, I don't know why. that. I think they just needed something to rhyme. That doesn't I make mean, any sense. At I kind of understand if you're talking about natural resources or something. You know, like if the villain's wanting to, like, cut down a bunch of, like, rainforest trees or some shit like that. That part of it would make sense. But, like, what does looting and plundering have to do with the guy of made of radiation? He's not looting or plundering shit. He's just trying to make microwave popcorn everywhere he goes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go ahead and say what you were going to say, and then we're going to fucking move on. Yeah, we got to move on. But remember when they, uh, when all the villains combined there, they, they made rings and they made Captain Pollution, and he was like the ultimate adversary, and uh, Captain Planet had trouble fighting him, and then they had to like subdue the villain's uh, rings in order to help him because Captain Planet was losing big time. Captain Pollution was tough, buddy. And he was mean. He had an attitude and he was dirty and mean and smelly. I like how and smelly. Like that was a defining characteristic of being a villain in the 90s. Smelly. Smelly, dude. Like nobody likes a smelly dude. I don't even know what the fuck to say to that. I don't. <laughs> he I definitely don't cracked himself up with it. On that note. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Holy fuck, did that get out of hand, Justin? Because we are here to talk about good boys and what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that. Maybe. I don't know. We might not even do that again because obviously we don't know what the fuck we're doing because we just went on a 18-minute tangent on cartoon theme songs. But it all ties in because Justin remembers all those because he was a good boy as a child so, Justin, continue that going. What did you like about the movie Good Boys? Okay. So, I'm fresh off of seeing this last night. Um, and and honestly, overall, I enjoyed the movie. Thought it was okay. Uh, th this film uh, definitely lives and breathes on the child actor performances. I mean, definitely it is that. And, and a lot of times it did give me kind of like a super bad feel. If anything, it's almost like a super bad light, super bad junior. I don't know what you want to call it, but like, you know, it kind of gave me those same kind of vibes. And so this group of friends, the Beanbag Boys, as they called their their little uh, group, 
Um, I thought that all those kids were great. All three of those kids, uh, Jacob Tremblay, I hope I'm saying that right, who was Max, who was kind of like our main kid in this, uh, Keitha Williams as Lucas, and then Brandy Noon as Thor, which I really liked Thor. I thought that he was very cool. I, he, he made me laugh a lot. But, I mean, all, these child actors were tasked with a lot to do here. They're, they're on screen for pretty much the, the runtime of this film. Uh, the comedic timing needed to be there in a lot of these scenes in order to get laughs out of the audience. And I mean, a lot of the lines, like Sterling alluded to, all the cussing that have to be done, which can, you, you know, sometimes that, that, that can actually work to the detriment of a film. But these child actors just were able to get away with it here. They were able to just pull that off. And a lot of times they came off funny and everything like that. So I got to hand it to them. They really were, in my opinion, a joy to watch. They, they were funny. I laughed constantly at this movie or the, something that was said or a facial by one of them that was made or just when they would say like they're in these crazy situations, but saying these things that you just feel like a kid would probably say or probably think or just kids talking and have no clue of what they're actually talking about. So there was definitely a lot of that there. Uh, I, I'm not always one. I guess you could say for raunchy humor. I mean, I like it, I guess, in um, when it's done right or when it's done kind of with a purpose or different things like that. You know, so much of it can be a turnoff for me anyway. I don't know about you guys, but that's just kind of how I am. But I think that this film, for the most part, found that balance. And, and there is a lot of heart in this movie, like despite the, the raunchy jokes and the different things like that, which... You could probably tell from the previews that there was going to be a lot of that in this film. And trust me, the film uh, d doesn't pull any punches in that area. There's drugs. There's jokes about sex. There's all these kind of situations and things that these kids are involved in uh, way over their uh, age group and different things like that. But, but but at the heart of the film, there really is this message about finding your place, kind of finding where you belong and the power of friendship and different things like that. You know, little heartwarming uh, lessons are to be founded here. And ultimately, when the film culminates, I think that those things do shine through. Uh, it, it, it shines through. It, it kind of shows uh, the power of friendship but also the power of your own individuality and also finding kind of where you belong through your friends, but, the, but, but those friendships also having meaning and um, uh, 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 also meaning something to all of these kids involved. So in that regard, I think that overall I did enjoy uh, the, the vast majority of this film. Of course, there are some problems and there are some things that I'm sure uh, we would get into. But overall, I enjoyed the performances of these kids. I laughed a lot at this film and uh, had a good time for the most part. Heather, your turn. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of in that same boat with you, Jason, about like, you know, the raunchy comedies and whatever. Normally with movies like this, um, where where it's about kids and inappropriate behavior and whatnot, they're not usually my favorite, uh, mostly because I don't 
feel like a lot of movies do it well. And they do it just for the sake of the funny moment where the kids are doing something for shock value. Um, this one was a l done a little differently, though, in my opinion. So they I mean, they still definitely have some shock value elements, but they're um, they're things mostly like that played more into the story of the boys and their characters. So I was a little bit more forgiving of it. Um, it was more of, uh, I guess, more of things and situations that happened because they were kids, um, which is why it worked well. In fact, a lot of a lot of this movie, it really it, it's showing how they are. They have no idea what it is to be an adult. Um, they're living there in their own little world and being young boys. Literally nothing concerns them outside of their friend group uh, more, more so until the end, I would say. But yeah, this this felt realistic to me, just the friendships and their, um, you know, their chemistry and all of that. Um, I really like how they progress their character stories. I think each of the three kids, like you were saying, they're just so good <laughs> in this movie. And they're also just so completely different as individual characters. Yet the dynamic between the three of them was really entertaining and also just really natural. You could totally see um, like this being a really like really just a group of boys who are best friends and the crazy things that they're getting into uh, just and, you know, like the tiny world at their school where they feel like, you know, there's there's this there's nothing bigger <laughs> than than this world that they are in. There's nothing bigger than this preteen world that they have going on and what's happening in it. I mean, I can't really speak to being a 13 year old boy, but. I was a 13-year-old girl, and I remember that the only thing that mattered in junior high was uh, who are you in class with, who are you sitting with at lunch, who is your friend group. Everything just revolved around that, and if there's no out, like just kind of like as if there is no outside world, and um, you know your little preteen mind is is just not concerned about anything in the adult or outside world, even though they think they know everything. So these kids are just—you really felt like actual. Like they were actually preteen boys and what uh, what they were dealing with would would be that at that age. So I thought that that was really well done. The writing, I guess you could say, is really what what worked well with that. Um, and I love how they would all like they would all talk and act like they were older because it was the cool thing to do. But at the same time, there's just those really funny moments where they have absolutely no idea what they are even saying. <laughs> it was just super funny because they're definitely those kids. There, there are those kids that would do that, you know? Um, I personally loved Lucas, who was played by Keith L. Williams. <laughs> he was the most consistently hilarious kid and almost everything he said was super amusing to me. He, um, you know, he was just like this goody two shoes and totally just did not care that people saw him that way. Um, he was also probably kind of like the wisest one of the three because he seemed to kind of have a little bit more of a grasp on like a moral compass of some sort <laughs> than the others. You know, he's kind of like that voice of reason that would be like, okay, so we're going to go and try and sell drugs. Like, you know, he was just kind of that guy that needed to be there for them because they were going to make even more stupid decisions than they did without him. 
Um, so I just, I thought his character was amazing. I loved his character. Max, um, who, yeah, I, Jacob Tremblay. Yeah. He was also really great as kind of like the lead kid in the, in the film. It's just kind of funny to me because he has like this very like sweet, innocent face. <laughs> so seeing him as like either a bad boy or a ladies man, which is kind of what they made his character into, um, in junior high, it's just kind of weird to see him that way because I also like the first time I ever saw him in a movie was that movie Room with uh, Brie Larson. And he was just, you know, like this little precious little kid that you you feel sorry for and you just want his life to be better. Like, I don't know. So maybe because I saw him in that, like, I just it's so hard to see him as like this tough kid, bad boy kid. But he did a really good job at it. So I was a little bit yeah, I'm impressed with that. Um, yeah. So, and also, like you're saying, Brady Noon, um, who played Thor, he is, he was super good. He tried so hard, um, to be that relevant cool kid that, um, you know, and really all he wants to do deep down is just like sing and be in musicals. And I, it was just so funny, like that he was that kid, you know, that was just like, trying so hard to be so cool and be the tough guy. And he's just like, I love singing and I love musicals and that's what I want to do. Um, you know, and it was just, uh, he, he was a more dynamic character in general than I expected, which was a really fun element. So honestly, like, um, again, I feel like a lot of the movies lately that we've seen, especially when it's geared towards like younger casts of people in it, kind of like scary stories. Um, just the dynamics of the characters is kind of what drives it a little bit. So um, I think that this was the perfect group of people to play these characters and they played a group of best friend boys so well and just the crazy mess of things that happen. And I do also like that they had a little bit of a misdirect in how they promoted the movie because, you know, like the, you don't realize from the trailer, at least that, um, a lot of this is basically the story of these kids are trying to get this drone for Max's dad because he has, you know, messed up and these two girls took the drone from them. You don't realize that the whole story is kind of basically that journey that they're taking to try and get that. So I kind of enjoyed that, um, you know, and obviously we'll talk about that more for me, at least in the dislikes. But I just like the element of they didn't really show that to be like, this is what this whole movie's about. So they didn't really give away that element of it, which was really nice because there were some other things that they did kind of give away with it. So it was a nice little like, oh, okay, so that's what really the story is revolving around is this journey for them trying to get this drone. And that's why they're getting to do all these crazy things and why they're going through all these crazy things because of that. And I didn't realize from the trailer or just from what I heard about this movie that that was what that was. So it was kind of cool to kind of be a little bit surprised by what the journey was supposed to be for them um yeah and also i liked the just the brief cameo of the parents like um will forte he's always like a funny parent that is just so nerdy <laughs> and and he was really great as max's dad and then retta and Lil Rel Howery were Lucas's parents and they were so funny too. And yeah. And then just even seeing um, Thor's sister, it was just so creepy. And like, I thought it was so funny how anytime she was around, they would play like that really scary music, which she would come in because she would always creep up on him. That was really funny to me too. So um, yeah, it was just, 
all of it was just, they they formed it well and they really kind of the way that it is filmed and the way that they tell the story is really kind of like you're seeing it from the boys perspective mostly and how they would be viewing these characters in these situations but also enough back from being just their point of view that you see how ridiculous everything is with it so i just thought the pacing of it was really well done and um just uh, just a couple of, I wouldn't say surprises necessarily, but just a couple of elements that they did with it that I enjoyed that they put in about like at the end with, you know, we're always going to be friends, even if we're not always living next door to each other and our lives are different and we want different things. You know, I did like that element that they put into that. So yeah, it really is kind of a little bit of a heartfelt, heartwarming story underneath it. It's just mostly wrapped around the crazy things that they do so um yeah so i think that it was it was just really fun it was funnier than i expected it to be which is a pleasant surprise because with movies like this it's usually less funny than i want it to be so yeah it was good and you made me think of a, co- a couple of more things um i'm sorry sterling if i'm cutting in on you but i just wanted to say she just made me think of some things i didn't say but like uh, hey, do your thing do your thing no but like i was just gonna say that um another thing i think that was good about this that heather kind of reminded me of was just the the pacing of this film like i really think that i don't it the film never felt like it slowed down yeah. really it never felt like there was just these like dry moments where you you just felt like it was standing still or anything like that like it was very very well crafted as far as just going from scene to scene and something was happening or they were talking about something funny or before they could finish a thought on something, then something else would happen. Or, you know, I thought that it had a very, very solid balance when it came uh, to, to the pacing and everything like that. So it's a very entertaining movie. And that's a word that just keeps uh, coming to me about this film. Um, and now I just realized in saying that, am I becoming like the word guy where I'm like, there's a word that describes this film. And then I say what that word is. And then like, I'm becoming that guy. But anyway, um, uh, but, but like, but, but this movie, and that's the thing about it. It's super entertaining, man. Just throughout, they made sure that every scene just had that, 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 funny line or the corny dialogue or just that scene even when a cuss word came or an f-bomb was dropped when you kind of didn't expect it and even though you're like man these kids i don't know there was just something funny about the way it was delivered or what the situation it was said in that would just kind of make you chuckle or just make you laugh and so the audience that i watched this with they were just laughing constantly and there was just constantly something even if the children didn't understand what they were into or what sex item they were holding or whatever the case may be we would laugh because we understood the ramifications of it or what they were uh, and the fact that they just had no clue most of the time kind of made it acceptable i don't know it was kind of in this sort of genius kind of way you know, you could still have the innocence of the children, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But the humor of it was very adult, if that makes sense. I hope I said that right. So I think that that formula worked constantly for the film and definitely helped with 
the pacing to make every scene kind of entertaining throughout. I get what you're saying. Um, so for me, when it comes to this movie, it I I like the way it kind of straddled that fine line, and this is kind of just rewording stuff that you guys have said of keeping the kids naive to things. Like so, in that aspect of it, it it did feel more authentic because when you do have movies like this, you always end up wondering that they're going to end up like yeah. sexualizing the kids, you know, just for the sake of having adult jokes. Where they didn't do that in this. They had adult things, but they still portrayed the kids in an innocent enough way, in an, a naive enough way that they weren't they weren't tainted by that stuff. You know, like when they find all the sex toys and they find the sex doll or their outlook on um, the kids taking the, the, the older teenagers taking Molly or stuff like that. They did a good job of still having the kids be kids with those elements. And that's always a fine line that movies end up trying to do. But they did very well in this. Um, <laughs> man, I'm sure I like more than that. Is that it? <laughs> I mean, the kids the kids did a good job. I, I, have, I have no complaints about the acting ability of the kids. Um, because some of the weird choices with some of the stuff were done intentionally. Like... Uh, when little kid from the room was <laughs> yes. doing those scenes where he's crying at the park, like they they looked like some terrible right. acting, but that was very much intentional. Like that was a choice the movie made to to portray it that way, because then they had like the weird fake glob of tears around his eyes with that stuff that wasn't moving, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it, so that was intentional. So I give that a pass. So that, like I said, the kids did a very good job uh, with their performances. I mean, which is incredibly important in something like this, because I mean, the, fuck, they are the central characters of this movie. And I mean, how many times have you seen movies with kids as the main characters yeah. where their acting is so fucking terrible? It ruins the whole fucking thing. So like they did a good job with this. And, you know, and like I said, they played up the adult humor with it and stuff like that. But like I said, they balanced the kids naivety with everything very well. Um, I did. I did agree with you guys with the pacing. This movie didn't feel overly long, which was also a somewhat of a worry with stuff like this. You know, I, I don't think anyone is ba as bad comedically. I want to say it's Wedding Crashers because Wedding Crashers honestly, honestly stays <laughs> over its welcome by a good half hour. And I didn't get the feeling with this um, or that feeling with this. This movie very much gets to the points of the scenes it's doing when it should. It moves on to the next scene when it should. It, you know, and it ends the movie when it should. It, it, it doesn't overstay its welcome, which is very good. Uh, I liked that weird interpretation of Rock <laughs> of Ages that they do at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, it, it feels like a failed high school drama teacher wanting to inspire a version of it for kids would do. You know, like where they're snorting pixie sticks and shit instead of drugs and, and all that other stuff. But still dangerously getting close to its nonstop drug use. Um, but it was very, that, that part of it was, was very amusing. Uh, and I, I do agree with you too, Heather. Uh, the character Lucas, I do think, was the shining grace of the of the three kids because he, I don't want to say seemed more grounded. He he just seemed more yeah like in tune with his character the entire time. You know, he uh, 
And the one time I did chuckle in this movie was one of his lines. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember the joke at all or anything around it. I just remember it was him that made me laugh and that was it. Um, but I think overall this movie did a good job with a lot of those things. Or at least a adequate job with a lot of those things. Um, anything else before we move on? Yeah, and I totally get what you guys are saying about the Lucas character. Like, and I think the way you said it was correct. Like, he was the most, like you said, in tune with who he was as a person. He was an honest kid. He was, uh, in every sense of the word, a good boy. He wasn't trying to, you know, beat around the bush with things. He was honest about how he felt about things. And that was kind of his defense mechanism was just honesty you know it was ultimate honesty he would just be honest about things or just tell his parents the truth or just and that was a consistent throughout and and sort of his so his journey was kind of finding those that that scab group at the end who was all about protecting people and stuff like that it, it, i totally get where you're coming from with that his character um was probably the most consistent as far as just who he was and it, whenever he was in a situation and he would say something that didn't really match the situation you laughed because you know that that person that character lucas would say that or you know that he would interpret <laughs> it that way or you know they have the drugs and he's like we gotta we gotta give those drugs to the put you know we gotta give those drugs to the police or or you know if they just give the drugs back maybe it solves the problem but he's the one that's like no we can't give them back to him we can't allow those girls to destroy their own lives and it's so corny but that character of course he would think that of course he would try to uh, protect these older girls and not give them the drugs back. So I totally get what you're saying with that. And in a lot of scenes, that's what made it so hilarious was the attention to detail with this character and that consistency in his behaviors, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because, like, <laughs> I, I love how much of, like, a... um like a, a rat he was you know like where he was just like always the one to give up the information <laughs> it was always just very funny to me that he was like that and just his whole like um what was that group that the school group that was against bullying that he scab. would always call on and scab yeah scab that was amazing because he was so just like he thought they were great like he like when they're you know they're being I guess, protected by them going into the school from the two girls and the others are just so embarrassed. And he's just like, yeah, what's up? You know, he's so proud of it. Like, it was so funny because he really is just like in his own world and just does not care at all that he seems like a ridiculous kid. Like, I loved it so much. It was so funny. And that was good continuity, too, because, of course, he when it comes full circle, he actually joins that group. And that's kind of the place that that, that he found where he belongs. So just, you right. know, and that's just a solid storytelling and just good attention to detail and character development with stuff like that. So anytime you see something like that, where it comes full circle with just little things like that, because yeah, you're right. Thor and Max were so embarrassed, but he was like, hell yeah, you know, Scab is protecting us. And then, you know, they, they pay that off later on at the end of the film. So just, uh, uh, just another, uh, I guess, 
notch in the cap of this film as far as just solid storytelling with its characters. And on that very positive note, let's move into the dislike. So, this message is not just for this movie, good boys. This is for all the companies out there that do the trailers for comedies or horror movies. Quit fucking giving away everything in a fucking trailer. Dear God, so many of the big comedic moments of this movie are just all up in the trailer. Like, I'll say this, at least in the defense of this movie... Most of those moments at least had one or two more comedic beats that weren't in the trailer, but a lot of the big stuff was. So like once again, a lot of the jokes for this, at least for me, fell flat because I knew everything that was already happening. And so that really kind of takes me out of my element with a lot of this stuff. And I mean, honestly, if I'm if, to be completely you know upfront about this movie, I didn't think it was that funny like i said i think i laughed maybe once or twice the entire movie and that's it like it just kind of seemed like a lot of standard comedic fare and so even the moments that weren't directly ruined by the trailer just kind of fell a little too in line with everything that was from the trailer so it still felt like there were no surprise elements with a lot of that stuff and I, that was a just a complete distraction for me in this movie and I mean, to be completely fair to this movie, though, I do have to recount my experience at the movie theater with this movie because it was a jam packed theater and the family that was sitting next to me to the right side of me, um, which if anybody doesn't know the layout of an AMC theater, especially now with the reclining seats, they're set up in sections of twos. You know, and I went to the theater by myself. And so since it was a packed theater, somebody was in the adjoining seat of, you know, in my little two pair group thing. And it was the son of this family. And then it was his mom and then his dad. And that family was the worst kind of fucking family to have in a fucking movie because they were talkers. And I'm not like just regular fucking talking. I'm talking. They are talking. Oh, I've used the word talking a lot in that moment. Wow. Anyway, I'm saying that they were talking in a manner in which you would do at home in a group watching situation. There's a particular scene in this movie where they're like, hey, we need to learn how to kiss. And so they try looking at porn and all this other stuff. And then Thor's like, oh, let's go use the CPR dummy that my, my parents have. And they're like, yeah. So then it cuts to the next scene and it's like panning up the body of a sex doll. And as soon as it starts panning up the... The, the 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 sex doll this guy the dad of this family says out loud and i'm not talking quietly he didn't like lean over to his wife and whisper this says out loud louder than i'm speaking right now it says <laughs> cpr dummy like no shit that's the whole point of the fucking joke you asshole like what is the point of exclaiming that in the theater just you wanted to make sure that everybody in the theater was in on the joke that you literally just witnessed happen <laughs> like holy fuck have you never seen a movie in public before what the fuck are you doing and that's not even it. Later in the movie, I don't even remember what scene it was. Something happens. And the son, like I said, this sitting next to me, I want to say this kid's probably 16, maybe 17 years old. I feel like he was only in that theater because he had parental supervision, but he was still borderline almost. But he turns to his family and says, I remember that. So he was telling them that he saw the trailer for this movie and remembered this scene from the trailer. Because, you know, 
that fucking matters in the middle of watching a fucking movie at the movie theaters. Like, these people were just out of fucking control. And I'm not going to lie, it ruined a lot of shit for me. I was very curmudgeon while watching this because of this. That, so that might be bummer. that might be why I'm not as, you know, optimistic or positive as you two with this. But I mean, like I said, I didn't really laugh. And maybe some of the scenes I could have laughed in was being ruined by the family of fucking dickheads next to me. So I don't know. Take maybe take what I'm saying, you know, with with a grain of salt, but uh, more than a few grains because I was very fucking salty with these people. But it was just flabbergasting that like that, that people do that. It wasn't even like the whole stereotypicalness that you have of people talking in a theater when it's like a horror movie and it's like, oh, no, don't go in there. No, it wasn't even that. They were literally verbally recounting shit happening on the screen or verbally clarifying the visual punchlines that are happening. Like, maybe I was missing something. Maybe, maybe the mother of that family just wasn't, you know, I don't know, smart. And so her son and husband knew that they had to tell her the punchlines of jokes because she couldn't understand visual fucking cues. Maybe that was it. And maybe I'm a dickhead for saying all this. But I'm still going to say, if that's the case, don't go to a fucking movie theater do it. Wait till it's on fucking HBO or something and watch it there. Don't ruin this shit for other people. Just being absolute fucking just savages. I mean, I felt like I was in back in the day of like the Flintstones, like just caveman shit. Just the most basic understandings of civility and humanity of our modern culture were completely lost on this family. (laughs) I was just irate. Like I was just livid the entire fucking time. And like I said, maybe that taints it because like I said, this movie just fell flat a lot to me. A lot of it was because of the trailers and stuff like that. I just always felt the beats coming and I found myself, especially towards the end, not even anticipating the beats, you know, not even caring when they would come next, just sitting there and waiting and just letting the beats happen as they do in just the most familiar way possible, you know, and and maybe because we've already had a version of this movie come out this year with Booksmart. And while Booksmart felt fresh and new and innovative this movie kind of felt the the exact opposite with it it kind of felt like a retread of a lot of those things just kind of done in a slightly smarter fashion you know instead of just being crude and like i said tainting these children they were crude while keeping them naive and that was the only positive i saw out of those scenes you know i just didn't feel anything else for that so yeah, I was just not as happy with this movie as you guys were. I just felt, oh no, I, I guess the main word for me when it comes to describing this movie and the, the way it made me feel when I was watching this was apathetic. And I was so hoping I'd be able to say, suck it, Zach, in this movie. Uh, but I guess you're right today, Zach. I guess you're right. <laughs> Heather, what did you not like about this movie? Honestly, I have that exact same complaint about how they just put so much of the funny moments into the trailer not to say that all of it was done in the trailer because that has been a problem in other movies before but there's just yeah i mean there's so much of the funny moments and just the really good moments that would have been better if i didn't know they were coming like they would have been funnier and even 
yeah, like even the the very end scene where they're, you know, at the little end of year party or whatever it is that they're doing at the party that they're at. And he's like, oh, I have something to show you guys. And like, yeah, the whole thing is, you know, like, you know, what's coming and he's showing them the sex swing or whatever it is because you see that in the trailer so you know that that's coming and it's just kind of disappointing because you're just like you're yeah like you're giving away the end of the movie um like in in the trailer you know and obviously when you're watching the trailer you don't know that it's the very end scene but it was just kind of like oh well that's that's no fun than some of the parts when you're like oh like this would have been better if i didn't know this was about to happen so um yeah like there's moments that could have been more amusing like even with the scene with the the cop in the the convenience store and them locking him in there. Like even that part, which isn't like a huge main funny part of it. Like even that part could have been funnier if you didn't know that that was going to be happening in that scene. You know, as soon as you see that cop going into that convenience store, you know how that scene is ending. So, um, I mean, they do have some moments that you don't, know are coming like the scene with them in the frat house basically when they're trying to get the drugs for the girls like i you know that whole thing to me was funny because i didn't know that that was going to be happening so yeah you're right sterling they're just very much like giving away way too much in the trailers and i understand that you want to come across or you want to get the point across at how funny this movie is and whatever it is but um you're giving too much of it and Um, honestly, that was my, like my biggest thing with it. And another thing is not necessarily that it was, um, it wasn't like a negative thing. It was just like, it was something that would have been cool that maybe they could have done is if at the end of the whole thing, uh, the end of the movie, you know, because they're all coming to terms with they're on different pages in life and they want different things. It would have been kind of cool to see maybe like a flash forward a little bit where you see them older and they're all still friends. And I think that would have just been a kind of a cool little, you know, it didn't have to be a long thing, but just seeing like they all come back together for some kind of a reunion or event and you see that they're all still friends. And I think that just would have been an interesting thing to do at the end. And I actually for whatever reason, was expecting they would do that. And I was also expecting that Seth Rogen was going to be one of the adults because of him um, making this movie. So it it didn't happen. And I think it could have been a cool opportunity, but it's obviously it's not like it took away from the movie that they didn't do that because it is focused on the kids and their friendship as boys. So I I understand why they didn't, but it just would have been kind of a cool thing. Um, Other than that, honestly, that really is my biggest issue is like, I just knew too much of what was going to happen because of the trailers. And also the scene with Lucas breaking his arm was way too long. I think they could have gotten rid of like half of that. And I get that there was a, you know, a very serious moment in there where he's talking about his family and how his parents are getting divorced. And it was, uh, you know, it was a good moment for that because he revealed to them what was going on and why he was acting weird sometimes. But I feel like they could have done that at a different time in the movie or had a different scene for that. I just feel like the whole arm breaking and trying to, you know, put the arm back in place was, it was just too long. And 
those kinds of things make me cringe anyway. But just the fact that it went on for way longer than it needed to was kind of like, okay, let's move on from this. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a perfect movie. I'm not saying it's the best, funniest thing I've ever seen. But I'm not saying I have very specific, huge, like numerous grudges against the movie either. It was just more of like a, yeah, it was fine for what it was. It's just leave a little bit more mystery in the trailers. The funny thing is, is the the frat house scene for me was ruined because part of it is in the trailers. Um, The scene where Lucas flips the guy over him into the ping pong table uh, is in the trailers. I didn't remember that. See, they, and they had so much happening. I didn't remember that. So, like, that's what ruined almost that entire scene for me because while well, things seemed like they were going good at first and all this other stuff with that whole drug transaction, I knew where the outcome was going. I knew that they were going to get in a fight with a, you know, a brawl with college kids at some point in that scene. And since I knew where it was going, the beats that tried to mislead you from that, like I said, fell flat because I knew the outcome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's. At least with that scene specifically, I just, like I said, I remember that scene from the trailer. And so I was just like, oh, well, I know where this is going. And so the the misdirection beats, like I said, at the beginning of it just fell flat. And yeah, so it just that scene never clicked with me. Um, Justin, how about you? What did you not like about this movie? So just to get out of the way, just some of the things that you guys said that I agree with. Uh, yeah, I totally agree about some of the scenes being ruined uh, in the previews. And uh, what Heather was talking about, the ending scene, yeah, that's something that I just had to say something about as well. Um, And second, that you guys mentioned that because um, because that really sucked that the final scene of the movie is the scene that everybody knew (laughs) was coming and happened because we all saw that sex swing uh, thing in the preview, uh, misunderstanding in the previews. So for that to, so for the movie to end on that scene just did seem like uh, a bad decision. I I think that you would have had to have put that somewhere else, or maybe that could have been something like during the credits. That's one of a few cool things that happened that, that they had like little uh, ending credit scenes or something like that. Maybe there could have been a collection of scenes and that could have been one of them. And we could have been like, ah, saw that in the preview, but there could have, should have been like something else. There had to have been another joke to end the movie on than that, especially if you're going to give it away in the movie theater. So and th- that was just kind of mind boggling to me that you, that your final ending point, your final period on the film you already gave that away in the previous. So yeah, that, that was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher. I was like, man, that's it. That's what you're going to end on is the scene we already, everybody saw. And like, even in the movie theater I was in, it only got, you know, people laughed, but it wasn't that, you know, but it wasn't that, Oh yeah, this is the end of the movie. Like super big laugh. Like, all right, that ended great. It was one of those kind of muffled laughs because most everybody there saw that already. So, yeah, I think that that was a bad decision. Um, you mentioned Booksmart, and, th- um, and that was something that I was definitely going to bring up, too. Um, th- 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 this, this is a good movie, I think. I enjoyed this film overall. I do think that this is a good movie. Probably one of the better comedies to come out this year. But Booksmart is probably the comedy 
that has come out this year. And Booksmart, like Sterling said, it felt so fresh and it felt smart. And there were just a lot of decisions made with cliches that 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 Booksmart made that I think uh, this movie didn't quite capitalize on all of those things though i liked it overall like like for instance uh one good example that just kind of reigns true to me is um is of course you got to have that scene where all of your friends are mad at each other and they're, they're, they're mad at each other there's a big argument and for a moment we're going to be apart until we can come to this resolution that that is just something that is cliche that happens in a lot of these films like this but one thing that Booksmart did because Booksmart had the same kind of cliche scene where the two girls got mad at each other but one thing that stood out about that and we talked about it in that podcast was how that scene was shot how it was shot with silence and yeah. you couldn't hear it was inaudible what they were saying to each other but there was kind of this very artistic way it was shot and they did uh, Olivia Wilde, the director in that film, did everything they could to kind of make that scene different. It felt, even though you know what you were watching, you knew that this scene had to come, it felt different watching it. It felt kind of cool and artistic watching it. It felt a little more compelling because of those elements that she added to that uh, film whenever it came to that part. This, though, was kind of the exact opposite of that it felt so jarring to me and i'd love to get y'all's opinion on that as well but in this they just suddenly just it, it seemed like that that anger towards each other all three of them it felt so manufactured to me like all of a sudden you know they they, they weren't able to get that uh drone back there and he said, man, I'm grounded. Then all of a sudden, everybody just started yelling at each other and everybody was just mad at each other. And then they kind of start crying, which I think that that's what kind of saved it was the 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 kind of over overdone, just over the top crying that they were all doing. And they were just acting so like cringeworthy there. You couldn't help but kind of laugh because these kids are just yelling <laughs> all this stuff and they're crying. And I think that that aspect of it did kind of save it from just kind of falling completely off the diving board there. So I did laugh a little bit at it. But man, did that, but that, but, but we're angry at each other. So we have to kind of get away from each other scene. To me, that was like one of the most jarring scenes of the film. I, it felt just too sudden for them to just get mad at each other when he could have been grounded. You know, Max could have lashed out in anger. And then the other two could have been there with their hands up like, oh, damn, like, what do we do now? And maybe it could have still ended on a sour note without everybody just yelling, exploding and crying kind of the way it did. It just didn't work for me. And that's why I brought up Booksmart, because that was an example of doing that scene in a way that kind of works and is smarter. And this one kind of didn't make that uh, same decision. So that was just one of the scenes that really just stood out to me as a uh, a, a glaring problem. And then uh, just with, with other things, um, I, I do think that th there were times where the children cursing and stuff like that and dropping the F-bombs and saying the curse words out of nowhere there were times where it did work for me, but I don't know as the as the movie went on, 
it kind of felt like a tired trick that they kept coming back to a lot. And it didn't work every time for me, especially just like towards the end of the movie or, you know, uh, uh, or they're interacting with an adult and adults calling them, you fucking idiots and all this stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I mean, would they, would an adult just haul off and say that? So, you know, like, like there were times where the cursing, I think, did work to an am- comedic effect. But there were times where I think that the language did overstay its welcome. And it kind of felt like, okay, guys, like, all right, I get it. Yeah, they're cussing. They got dirty mouths. But, you know, it didn't always land for me. So I do think there was a little uh, inconsistency with that. Um, And other than that, I think that those were the two main, just main problems I had was just the, 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 the jarring nature of that one scene. And then like you and, and, and everything else was just pretty much a mirror what you guys said. There were quite a few scenes that were uh, given away in the previews. I am so glad you mentioned that last scene, Justin, because. I was actually going to bring it up if no one else did, because I remembered it as soon as I finished. Like, so the movie's going on and, you know, once it gets to like the musical and stuff like that, I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, that whole sex wing scene. I guess that was just something they filmed, but not actually in the movie. And then they go to the after party. And then as soon as he, he says, hey, wait, before you guys go, I want to show you something in my parents' bedroom. And then instantly my head went, wait, you're fucking ending on this now? Like that entire scene that you already shown in the trailer you're about to fucking end with it. Are you serious? And then they did. I was just like, you gotta be shitting me. You can't show the literal last seconds of your movie in the fucking trailer. Yeah. Like it takes all the steam out of that joke because as soon as that happened, I knew exactly the entire scene and it was the entire scene. It was the entire scene was in the trailer all the way with the sister going, that's for sexing. People have sex in it. Like, all of it, 100% of that scene was in the fucking trailer. They didn't even cut out, like, a second of just them not saying anything. It's just 100% in there. And that, like like I said, as soon as they said that, I was like, they're about to end with that. You've got to be kidding me. I just knew exactly what scene they were about to show. I had given up on that scene. I was like, oh, because it didn't feel like, you know, nowhere else in that movie did it feel like it was there and they cut it out. But like I said, as soon as it was like, I've got something to show you in my parents' bedroom, I was like, you motherfuckers. And then the scene actually happened. And when I realized, like I said, they didn't cut out a damn thing whenever they put that scene in the trailer, I was just flabbergasted that a fucking company had the audacity to fucking put the entire last scene of their movie in the fucking trailer. I mean, that really would be like the Avengers Endgame, you know, putting Tony's like funeral, the entirety of Tony's funeral scene from Endgame in the trailer. I mean, I guess it's not a plot point that matters or anything, you know, in Good Boys versus Endgame. But I mean, it's just it's it's the same type of mentality. Like who fucking does that? Like how much funnier or bigger or just everything that scene would have been if you didn't know that was coming. Yeah, that would have been great. And it, and at least if you're going to end on that scene, why not f- shoot a different one where like 10 of those kids come in there are like, oh, you got all these kids swinging on that thing. And it's way more than just them. And then the sister comes in. I don't know. Like, I, but, but to end on the exact same scene that's in your previews, 
I mean, th th that's just not a strong finish, man. And, you know, normally a film, you want to finish as strong as you can, especially in a comedy film. You try to end on a solid joke. You try to end on a solid laugh. And you just think about movies you've seen in the past. They try to end it on a real just solid note. But for it to just be something you already saw, it, it you, you just couldn't help but feel disappointed in it. It's so deflating. Like, honestly, I think they should if in the trailer to set up the joke. They should have just had the scene where they, they start it when they're standing at the doorway looking at it and they're like, oh, wow, your parents have a swing in their bedroom. That should have been the only part of it in the trailer. Yeah. And then you could have had all the rest of it in the movie and that would have ended right. That way you could have at least got part of the setup and everybody would be like, oh, huh, I remember that. And then it go even crazier afterwards where they're all swinging in it and doing all that stuff. And the sister comes up and saying that's for sex and stuff like that. Like that would have killed it because it would have taken the scene you were already kind of familiar with from the trailer. And like I said, added a couple of beats after it of comedy that would have just sold it and ended on such a high note instead of just ending on the the cinematic equivalent of a flat tire. <laughs> it's just like, like you said, it kills any moment. And, and I, I know it's the end of the movie. You don't want momentum, but you want comedic momentum. You want that final laugh. So that way, when the credits hit and people are standing up, they're still yeah, kind of chuckling. That's what you want right there. You know, they're still in that. They're still in that. I just had a hearty laugh mo mood. And by ending on that scene, especially showing all of it in the trailer, it ends in a, oh, okay. I guess I'm leaving the theater now. Yep. Like you kind of want there to be a mid credit or end credit scene to make up for it. Like some blooper reels or something in the credits. Like I, I sat there, I've got this app. There's a, it's a great app for anybody that doesn't have it. It's called after credits. It tells you if there's a mid credit or after credit scene in a movie. And as soon as it ended on that joke and the credits start rolling, the first thing I do is pull out that app. Like most of the time I, I, I look at that before I go into the movie, you know, so I know like beforehand and I didn't for this movie and cause I just didn't think there would be. And that scene happens and I'm like, Oh God, I hope there's something now. I hope there is something in these credits to make up for that. And I pull up that app and I look at it and it's two red X's, one next to the mid credits and one next to the end of credits. And I was like, Oh fuck. No, that really is the end of it. That is the last thing you see of this movie before just a black screen and some words. I was just like, damn, that was not a good decision and had to get up and throw away my garbage and leave the theater while scowling at the family next to me. Of course. Because I did give them a, I did give them a, a glare to make sure they knew that they disappointed me on a basic humanitarian level. But I'm right there with you on that, man. Like, I have totally uh, had my movie experience ruined because of people sitting next to me or behind me that just kept on talking and that is like my biggest pet peeve man you you gotta shut up man you you gotta be quiet during the movie so i totally get where you're coming from with that and it's and it just just by the way you were talking about it it sounds like they totally just ruined the movie for you so uh, but but no, I've been there, man. I feel your pain. Now, I do have a question for you guys because this is something I experienced in this movie, too. Did you have any severely underage kids in that movie theater with their families? Yep. I saw a bunch of teenage boys, but I didn't see them with their parents. Oh, no. I'm talking about like 10-year-old kids. No. They're with their parents. I saw plenty of that. Yeah. I saw plenty of nuclear families. Is that still the term? 
yep, it was a mom and dad and two younger kids, nine, 10 years old, just having a good time, just in there with me. I'm like, man, that's cool. Like, like, yeah. I saw that walking in and like, I saw that like a family, like, you know, I'm sitting in the concessions line and they're all like, you know, then I go to the, like the little, was it Coca-Cola freestyle, you know? where you, you select your, your Coca-Cola beverage and flavor additives, however you would like to do it. And, you know, there's this family next to me. And I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, they're seeing Lion King or, oh, they're seeing Angry Birds too, or, oh, they're seeing something. Because th this is like a family with small kids. Like I said, they're like nine, 10 years old, you know, and all this other shit. And I see them walk off towards their movie and I finish getting my drink and I put my salt and my minute, minute amounts of artificial golden topping on my popcorn. And I go into the theater and nope that family is like in the third row i was like you are you in the right theater am i in the right theater what is going on and i walked back out and i looked up at the little marquee sign and it said good boys and i was like all right no i'm in the right theater i hope they are or they're going to be in for a surprise awakening nope they sat there the entire time entire time laughing having a grand old time and i was like oh i did not think that 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 happened you know, like I saw a ton of rated R movies when I was a kid, but nothing like this. Most of the rated R movies I saw when were in a kid were like of the action packed, violent persuasion. Never anything of the just foul mouthed or like teen, you know, like sex comedy stuff or any of that stuff. Like my parents would take me to see the most violent movie era ever in a movie theater, but American Pie. Oh, no, no, no. But, you know, a fucker getting his head blown off, fine. That's, you know, 100% okay. Possibly seeing some breasts or a sexual reference. No. Um, so that's why I was really just kind of surprised with this movie. Um, not that it really was anything like that. Because like I said, the sexual jokes were still of an innocent nature. Um, and there was no real over, like, overtly direct sexual overtones. You know, there's sexual innuendo, but still told, you know, from like a kid point of view. Um, so I guess it, it might be comparing apples to not oranges, but you know, maybe a red delicious to a granny Smith. There's still apples, but still very different. But any final notes from you guys on this movie? No, I'm good. Nope. So Justin, what's your recommendation and score for this movie? Well, do I recommend? Yes. It's an already movie for the entire family. Apparently. No, um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, um, no, no, I do recommend this film. I mean, as far as comedies are concerned, uh, we've been lacking this summer. I mean, when it comes to the comedies and stuff like that, I really do think that Booksmart was just kind of that gem that 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 came out uh, this summer as far as comedies is, are concerned. But this is a respectable effort. The, the, this, to me, was fun, and it was funny, so... If you're a person who was a fan of like super bad or you were a fan of kind of those party movies and stuff like that, this is a very interesting and much younger take on that party movie, buddy party movie scenario. And for the most part, the film succeeds because of what we talked about. The chemistry with the leads is there. And the movie does have some heart and it ends on some very... uh. So, some solid notes, some solid notes that make you just smile and what happened with the kids and everything like that. So overall, I can recommend this. It has a lot of that. If you're a person who likes that crude humor and some of that comedy stuff and, um, you know, this is unapologetic about that. 
it has all the sexual humor and stuff like that, but does it in a way that feels right for this film? So overall, for all those things, I can recommend it. Um, as far as my score, we're going to go with 75 previews of children swinging on a sex swing without even knowing it because it totally should have shouldn't have ended like that with this film out of a hundred you know i didn't like everything but i liked most of it check it out go check it out heather your turn i mean if this type of movie is your cup of tea and you like comedies you like um you know raunchy whatever comedies then yeah it's definitely um it's a funny one to watch i i enjoyed it more than some of the other ones i had seen in that area um yeah i recommend it if if um if it's your type of movie obviously but you know like i was saying for myself this type of movie where it's like the kids are just being inappropriate for the sake of it um that's not what this movie is but um that's kind of what i expected it was going to be so yeah i mean if you're if you're not really someone who appreciates uh kids being used in films as like the funny inappropriate kids then don't watch it but i think that the story is good i think the the humor is good mostly and um yeah i just definitely I, I think that it's a good one, but you have to specifically like this type of movie for me to say you should probably watch it. Um, my score. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to go with um, 70 sips of beer from a preteen to prove he's cool out of 100. Um, For me, I would say, I don't know, take it or leave it. Go watch it. Don't watch it. I don't care. I don't think you'll care. I mean, if you're in the mood to, you know, laugh or something like that, and I don't know, you maybe only seen the trailer once, I think you'll get a lot more out of it than I did. But I don't know, like I said, I'm I'm just incredibly apathetic about this movie. I don't think it should not be watched, but if you wanted to wait till this was on Netflix or HBO or Hulu or anything else, I don't think you'd be wrong for wanting to wait for that. It's it just seemed a little bit too standard fare for me. So I don't know. I'm just, I guess my recommendation recommendation for it is just purely apathetic like the movie made me feel. So I don't necessarily have a way of getting out of that. Because if I hate a movie, then I won't recommend it. And if I like a movie, I will. So if I'm apathetic for a movie, I guess my recommendation is going to be apathetic. So that is what it is. Um, I'll give this movie, uh, I guess I'll give it 60 veiled references to a card game that I'm going to assume is like Magic the Gathering. So I at least like that because at least it's Magic the Gathering out of 100. I don't even know if my score made sense. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, But real quick before we finish this episode, we thought we'd broach this topic real quick with you guys. Um, So this week, uh, there was the speculation and the news reports coming out uh, about MC, the MC or Disney and Sony uh, failing to reach a further agreement to keep uh, Spider-Man continuing their partnership with the MCU. Um, and that has, there's been a couple of stories uh, with Sony also making a response afterwards. And we thought we'd give you uh, our thoughts on it real quick. Um, just a real quick overview of what the deal is with this. So it was back in the 90s, Marvel was going bankrupt and to get a cash infusion, they sold the movie rights 
to a lot of their franchises. Even even stuff like Shang Chi uh, was sold. You know, they sold off the X Men. They sold off anybody uh, essentially that approached them with some money, saying, "Hey, we want the movie rights to this character." They sold the movie rights. I mean, they did Blade to New Line. Uh, Sony got Spider Man. In you know, X Men went to Fox and Fantastic Four and Daredevil and Hulk. They all went to Fox and stuff like that. And all of them typically have deals to where they expire after a certain amount of time so you know like fox had to make an x-men movie once every i, I want to say it was like five years or something like that and if they didn't it would revert back to marvel I and mean, it might have even been less time than that you know or more time than that i don't i don't know the exact number of years per one because i think it changed uh depending on what character it was and stuff like that All, i do know that that is directly what shaped the ncu because when marvel decided they wanted to make a movie a lot of their bigger franchises, especially for the time, they didn't have rights for, you know, so they pretty much built the MCU based around characters who they happened to have the rights for at the time. You know, that's why we ended up getting Iron Man. Like a lot of people don't realize that for a long time, Iron Man was very much a B-list player. He was always in the Avengers and shit like that. But as far as Marvel went, he was a B-lister. You know, it wasn't until the movie that he really became a very prominent figure in the MCU or just Marvel Comics in general again. So so with that, like I said, Marvel sold off a lot of their rights. They they And I do think it's important to note that they did keep merchandising rights for all these characters. So anytime that like Sony did a Spider-Man movie and somebody bought a toy or a video game or something like that based on that movie, Marvel made 100% of that money, which was smart for them. Um, But then moving forward and everything like that, most of these other properties, everything but Spider-Man is now back under Marvel and Disney's control. So, you know, with the overwhelming disappointment financially that uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was. Uh, Sony made a deal with Marvel to allow Kevin Feige to be a producer on the Spider-Man movies, and Marvel would make 5% of what's called first view money, which is a term that applies to the first run of the box office. That means Marvel wouldn't make anything off of, say, like a dollar theater even though those aren't really a thing anymore, but they wouldn't make money off of that box office. They wouldn't make money off of video on demand or digital sales or uh, DVD or Blu-ray sales or streaming sales or something like that. They wouldn't make any money off of that stuff. It's just the first run box office stuff. And Marvel would make 5% of that, which was better than nothing at the time because they weren't making any money off Spider-Man. But in turn, that would allow Spider-Man to be a part of the MCU And it would give Spider-Man a foundation for his solo movies in that universe. And that's what the deal was. And so I think it was a five movie deal, which is up because while there was only two solo Spider-Man movies in there, you do have to account Civil War, uh, Infinity War and Endgame in that deal because the Spider-Man character, which was on loan to Marvel as far as movie rights goes, was in those movies too. So that counts as five movies uh, with Spider-Man. So essentially they go back to the the negotiating table and Sony just says, hey, let's keep going and just do the same deal. And Disney said, I want a 50-50 split. And Sony said, fuck off and left. I don't know if they actually said fuck off, but that's more or less what happened. They just left. And then that's what was reported. And then Sony came out the next day and said, no, 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 we're still negotiating. The only thing we know for sure is Disney said 
that Kevin Feige will no longer produce any Spider-Man movies because he's just too busy with, you know, phases four and five of the MCU, which I don't believe. I don't buy this. I 100% feel like that's Sony trying to save face because every impression I've ever got of Kevin Feige, especially when it comes to the Marvel movies and stuff like that, is it wouldn't matter if they have him doing a movie every month. He'd fucking be a producer on it and he'd be working his ass off on them. So I don't think that that would be him having a bunch of movies for phase four and phase five and, you know, all the Marvel stuff on the Disney uh, Plus stuff coming up and all this other stuff. I don't think that would deter him from being a part of a Spider-Man movie if it was still in the MCU because they would just work that into the release schedule just like they did with Homecoming and just like they did with Far From Home. So I I just feel like that's a lot of bullshit that Sony's throwing out there uh, to kind of blur the waters and not make them seem that bad. Now, I don't blame them for saying no to the 50-50 split with Disney. And it is a true 50-50 split. It would also be Disney is putting forward 50% in the production budget too. So while Sony wouldn't be spending as much money, they still wouldn't just make as much money. I do agree with Sony that Yes, they shouldn't take that deal. Like, why the fuck would you do that? You've got the ability to have 100% of the rights to everything. Why would you give up 50% of it just because Disney says so? I'm not blaming them for saying no to that. I am blaming them, though, from walking away from the table and acting insulted uh, when that was brought up for the sheer fact that that's what fucking negotiations are. Negotiations are very much a, I'm going to say an offer that I know you're not going to like. You're going to counter with an offer you know I'm not going to like. And then we keep doing that until we reach the middle and we're both at least somewhat happy with it. Like, that's negotiating 101. And it feels like Sony was just offended that Disney actually did that, I guess. And I guess that's my take on it with a lot of that stuff is I do blame Sony for a lot of this because I do feel like there is a magic number. And I'll go into that a little bit after Heather and Justin give their thoughts on this too. Um... That would, I think, make everybody happy, especially when you break down box office numbers. And of course, if you listen to this, we start talking about box office numbers. I've got them for you. So I'll definitely break that down uh, after this. But I want to get their thoughts on it, too. So let's start with you, Heather. Uh, like, so what are your thoughts surrounding the possibility that, like, Spider-Man not, might not be in the MCU anymore? Honestly, it. I mean, for me, it's a bummer because, um, I mean, especially with these more recent Spider-Man movies, they've been some of my favorite in the Marvel Universe. And Spider-Man has kind of become one of my favorite Marvel characters and especially the Tom Holland version of it. But just in general, it's just it's weird. It just feels like, is this the world now? Like that, you know, Spider-Man is not going to be part of the Marvel Universe and just um just the huge impact that those movies in general have had um and just like you you can't really you can't have the full movies especially the later ones without Spider-Man as a huge part of it and it's really i think it's going to really hurt the storytelling i think it's really going to hurt um just I don't know. I wouldn't say the fan base because I think people who are fans of it will still watch it. But I just think it's it's going to hurt a lot of how you could tell the story um, if they do it outside of the Marvel Universe, because, I mean, that's such a huge part of what it is. And even this last one, too, it's like the the big thing about this one is, you know, Spider-Man really trying to cope with the fact that Iron Man is no longer there and trying to, in a sense, fill his shoes almost. And it's just like, how do you do Spider-Man and how do you do the next story arc of it 
without it being in the Marvel Universe because it limits you so much on what you could talk about and what you could do with it. And not to say that it can't be a good movie, and especially if, um, you know, if Tom uh, Holland is in it and, you know, like, I just feel like they, they can still do what they can with it, but it's just like, it's weird. And then I feel like <laughs> it just, it messes the whole thing up in a sense. Like, and I'm not as well-versed on the Marvel universe and the comics and any of the, the background of it, of what you just explained. Like, I mean, I just found out about all of that myself a couple of days ago, but it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's a real shame to think that it's not going to be part of the Marvel universe. It is, I think I had mentioned probably in one of our podcasts before, like the movies work really well as standalone movies. I mean, they don't have to be part of the Marvel universe to be good movies, but you just know that like, it, it just feels like there's going to be that huge hole there, like this emptiness of, of all of it without it being part of that universe. And how do you even, especially with the story that they were telling before all of this happened, how do you continue that story without it being part of the Marvel universe? I don't know. It it would just be weird. And I hope that they come to some kind of an agreement and that they're able to work it out because, I mean, these movies are such a huge thing. And like the whole this new series of Spider-Man movies in general is so um, great and impactful and really just reinvented the character in general. And it would just be a shame to see something like this cause it to not be such a impactful character that it could be for those who watch these movies justin what about you yeah um i'm definitely very concerned about this when the news first broke um i was actually out of town on um doing some stuff for wrestling and it it really put a damper on me man i was like what no and i just kind of wanted to believe that maybe it was one of those internet rumors when i first saw it online but then i started seeing more and more people report it and i started seeing more and more news outlets have something about it and i think like my New York Times app or whatever blew up and it was like Spider-Man may not be in the MCU. I mean, it was just everywhere and it just kind of spread like a wildfire. And I just, uh, man, it's very, very disheartening for me if they don't get this deal done because I thought coming off of um, Spider-Man Far From Home, I thought that that was probably the the best live action Spider-Man movie that I had seen thus far. And there was gradual improvement showing with things with um, when you looked at Homecoming and then when you looked at Far From Home. And in my opinion, it was a slight improvement over that film. And I felt like they were gaining momentum with Spider-Man and Tom Holland just was so comfortable in this role. And it, it, it seemed like everything was just right in the world and it set up so many things uh, following uh, in game and everything like that. And it ended in such a satisfying way. And it just ended the, the, the it ended and it hit all the right buttons. It, it, it checked off all the boxes, man. It just ended so well. And if that is the end, if this is the end of, um, of Marvel Studios doing the um having anything to do with these movies then I'm very concerned because as uh Sterling mentioned a little bit and everything like that like when you look at Sony and their history with Spider-Man 
it hasn't really been that great. And I know that that people are thinking, well, you know, we're just coming off of Spider-Verse. And in some people's opinion, Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie. And Sony did that one. So maybe they can do this thing with Spider-Man. Maybe everything is fine. But the thing is, is that when you look at the box office history of Sony with Spider-Man, it's been on a gradual decline. And Spider-Verse, as good as it was, as critically acclaimed as it was, I mean, the film even took home an Oscar for best animated film the last year. But... For all of those acc- for those like critical accolades, it was the lowest grossing film of the Sony um, Spider-Man movies thus far. And on the flip side of that, Spider-Man Far From Home is the most lucrative and the biggest box office that um, draw that Spider-Man has ever been. And that's because of spider-man being involved in the mcu that's because of of we're coming off of endgame and that's because of what marvel studios has done with this character they revitalize this character breathe new life into this character and to say that that's all going away just just feels like a really really big bad mistake and it seemed like the mcu was setting up spider-man to kind of be either one of the leaders or maybe the new leader um coming out of the mcu and stuff like that or at least a focal point for the story to kind of revolve around and grow and now what are you gonna do if spider-man really is out that i I just feel like you would have to change a lot of things either there would be a lot of things you could no longer mention because you don't have the spider-man character and i think it would just cause a plethora of problems for both marvel and for sony um, so I think that the better solution is to come up with a deal that is satisfying for both parties, even if maybe Marvel or Disney doesn't get the 50 50. I feel like they've got to uh, go with something here. They don't want to lose Spider-Man. They don't want to lose this momentum that they set up. And Sony, uh, maybe they don't want to do 50 50, but I feel like they've got to meet uh disney somewhere because disney is responsible for this revitalization of spider-man so i really hope that they work this out you know you do got sony saying that negotiations are still on the table so i'm gonna hope that that is the truth and i'm gonna try to believe that and i just hope that they can get this deal done because i would hate for all of this momentum they built with spider-man character and finally seeing him really have some films that kind of do the character justice and really capture the essence of who that character is. I would hate to see all of that come to an end over some behind the scenes negotiation type of stuff that just really feels like I just feel like these two parties could come to an agreement. So to say I'm concerned is an understatement. I just think this would be better for both parties if they're working together. Yeah, no, I I I agree with a, a lot of what you guys were saying on that. I know I said I was going to do a box office breakdown or a numbers breakdown, and I'm not in this episode. Um, I'll do a bonus episode where I break down that more intensely. I'm just looking at how long we've already recorded, and I don't want to add that into this and overstay our welcome with this episode with it. But I did think it was important for us to at least give you our thoughts on this. So I will do a separate episode 
breaking down the numbers aspects of it and giving what I think would be the the sweet spot that I think that Sony and Disney could reach that would be lucrative for both of them. And I do think is very, very possible. Um, so with that, thank you guys for listening. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook, which is Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter or Instagram, which is cinema underscore slayers. Uh, we've got a lot of fun things coming your way. You know, let us know what you thought about this movie. Let us know what you've thought about any of these other movies. Um, possibly send us a message or put it on Facebook or something like that or Twitter or Instagram or something. Tell us a movie that might not have been from since we've been doing the podcast or something like that of a movie you kind of want to hear us maybe do an episode on it because I think we're going to start doing some bonus episodes of us watching other films from pre-podcast days and maybe doing some episodes on them here and there just for some uh, fun content because I know I like going back and watching things and you know I love talking obviously so why not talk about these uh, other movies and remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight, who might be played by Keanu Reeves in the future, is the best picture winner. DuckTales. Woo-hoo!